Hey guys, it's Antiquated Ideas again. Um, today's topic is about um, revisionism in history um, and the lens through which we look back um, at events that happened. And, you know, that, that can be said for um, major events or small events. You know, um, a major event may be... Uh, you know, um, the Battle of Teutoburg uh, between, you know, the Romans and the Germans. Um, but it also may be, uh, you know, many, many small events like uh, how people continually argue over um, the life that slaves in the U.S. lived. Um, and what, what gave me the idea to start talking about this for a podcast was I was watching um, the Armchair Historian's most recent video on YouTube, um, which is about, uh, interesting topic, by the way, um, but it was about how German POWs were treated, basically what, what their fate was after the Second World War. And so, you know, um, I do have to say that uh, the armchair historian is somebody who angers me quite a bit. Um, I still watch his videos because I like the animation and um, I like the topics. And you know, it, it's it's just something that I have to exercise my ability to discern fact from bias. Uh, because the armchair historian is somebody who's clearly very fucking biased. And that's why he angers me so much. It really peeves me. Uh, because I don't really believe in revisionary history. I don't believe that we should go back and look at these historical events, you know, through the lens of today, necessarily. I think that we should keep it in, in account, but when we're teaching these things, when we're learning about these things, when we're discussing these things in the context of history, our modern understandings don't apply, you know, and, and modern does not necessarily mean better in this situation either. And you know, one of the interesting things to me about uh, the armchair historian and many other Second World War historians is that they, they go both ways, but largely uh, the direction that they lean is towards covering up the crimes of the left or the West in general. Um, and so, you know, the typical narrative that, that we've been taught or that I've been taught and, and probably most other people were taught in high school is to vilify the Nazis nazi germany um and leave it at that you know as if absolutely nothing else happened during the war that there were no other bad guys during the war i mean japan yeah they, they fucking they're fine we don't have to talk about them it's not like they did anything wrong right you know i mean but that's that's the story that we hear during during you know these history classes and i remember thinking you know because I had gotten into Second World War history when I was really young. I mean, like third grade, I was fascinated by it, you know. And so when I was in elementary school, I would read all these books. I would just continue to read these books about the Second World War and, you know, Vietnam and the First World War as well, just because I liked history. Um, not so much on Korea, because funny enough, there's fuck all about Korea if you want to learn about that war. Um, even though it's 
almost like the first modern war, you know, with the, the modern political entities that exist. Um, most people would say that's Vietnam, probably. I disagree. I think it's Korea, but that's, I digress. Um, now, yeah, Second World War. I mean, it's a big fucking topic, but that's, you know, that's what I was saying is that's what I was taught during school is that it's absolutely just vilify the Germans. It it doesn't matter. Like anyone German instantly bad, um, which clearly is a form of revisionism because we're, we're not understanding at all. I mean, there's no emphasis whatsoever in even attempting to understand why the Germans did what they did and why they were willing to go with Hitler and the Nazi party or, or, you know, why they were coerced into doing it and, and the, the difference between the two, you know, I hear all the time about how, um, the, uh, the Nazi party just brainwashed all of Germany. And, you know, you'll get these fucking boomers talking about Nazi Germany as if, like, all Germans ever were just completely brainwashed and they're they're obviously an inferior people because they're, they were just so willing to go along with that. But you have to stop at some point and think, maybe that's not the truth, you know? And, but that's, anyway, that's just, like, the American perspective of it. Now... What I see among scholars and, and historians largely, um, or in this case, armchair historians, um, is this tendency to, to completely avoid the crimes that the left committed. Now, it's okay to acknowledge that, you know, some of the West did bad things. It's okay to talk about Japanese internment camps. And, um, you know, the vilification of, of anyone of German descent and, you know, all sorts of things like this. You know, how the, how the government would spy on people and the war crimes committed by uh, the British and the Americans. And the, nobody ever mentions the French, funny enough. But, uh, yeah, they were responsible for some. Um, everyone's responsible for war crimes. I mean, that's, it's a war. What do you expect? You know, but, but, I mean, that's beside the fact, um, beside the point, it, it happens. But it's interesting how, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this as I'm watching this armchair historian video, that it's awfully funny how it's not blatant, it's, it's, there are very heavy, heavy undertones of it. To It's implied so much to the point that you would have to be blind or deaf to miss it. But at the same time, I think that most people come into this without the rationale that they're going to need to pick the pieces out of, of this video or out of what this person's preaching and, you know, put together the facts out of those pieces. Um, but that's absolutely what you have to do. You know, in a way, it's like subliminal fucking messaging because... This guy, the armchair historian, um, and I don't mean to just shit on him. Uh, I mean, I do mean to shit on him, by the way. Um, not to say, like I said, I enjoy his animations. I enjoy most of the content. Definitely not all of the content. Um, but there's a lot of other people in the same vein. You know, um, 
I, no no prominent names come to mind right now. Um, otherwise, I would mention them. But I, I mean, I, I'm blanking. It's like midnight right now. Um, uh, speaking of blanking, what was I saying? Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, so the, the Soviet Union, that's where I wanted to go. Um, the Soviet Union, <clears throat> they have this very, like, it's not, it's not blatant. It's, it's very clear, but it's not blatant in your face. They're not telling you this. They're just influencing your decision in such a way that you don't even notice that it's being influenced. Um, and that is talking about how, you know, it mentions, this video mentions, okay, that, that the, the life expectancy of a German POW after the war in the Soviet Union you know, really not that long. Um, there is a much higher death rate among the POWs who were being used as forced labor, forced laborers, um, as compared to the United States, who I think it was only something like 459 people died during and after the war. Um, you know, as compared to the British, where it was like a thousand something, the French, where it was like fucking five, six thousand something, and then the Russians, where it's quite literally unknown um but it's it's funny to me that while this is mentioned that yeah okay uh there's a higher death rate there um that they almost want to justify it in a way they want to justify the fact that that you know the soviets had this basically it was a plan to to use them as as human robots where it was practically genocide in a way. Um, I mean, how Stalin and the Communist Party, basically their their version of reparations among, you know, influencing countries in the East and um, partitioning Germany and, and so on, um, which partitioning Germany was not all the Soviet Union's idea, but... Um, Specifically, that, that they wanted their reparations in blood. And uh, talking about the Eastern Front and World War II at any given time is a fucking painful task because there are so many different things that happened. There's just so much overwhelming evidence in, in favor of both sides, neither sides. You know, it's, it's very hard to separate fact from exaggeration from fiction from things that were just lost to time and it's it's even harder to talk about it in in a, a modern sense you know and and teach about it because uh, on one hand you you know you want to teach that well the germans were ferocious and atrocious um didn't mean to rhyme but you know i'm a poet and i don't know it whatever that gay shit is that you say in middle school um but obviously they were very vile people and and in the way that they treated the soviets and soviet civilians and but again see i can't just say that i can't just say that and leave it at that because it's so much more than that it's like you know if if that's happening in one specific unit in one specific section 
that's not representative of the whole. I mean, even the SS, right? You look at the SS and you'd say, oh, that's obviously like a terrible organization full of evil people, right? No, that's not reality. And you can't, you can't just make a blanket statement and expect it to be reality, especially in something as intricate as uh, uh, a war in general, no less the Second World War, and no less than that, the Eastern Front, because it was just, you know, it was its own apocalypse, really, just the, the, the scope was so large of that front that it's very hard to comprehend just everything that went into it. Um, but anyway, I, I'm getting off topic a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're, they're justifying in this video how, yeah. Uh, okay. So the Russians, the Soviets, they want blood because their blood was given in defense of their country and then in the genocide of Germans, but uh, we don't we don't talk about that because uh, this guy's on YouTube and YouTube, you know, it, it's full of a lot of leftist media peoples. But but yeah, that's that's my point that I'm getting to, it, and it's like while you might say, yeah, okay, you know, they they should definitely get reparations for what the fuck happened during the war. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, fucking millions and millions of people died. So, um, yeah, it definitely makes sense. And then it goes one step further than that in this video. And it's not just justifying reparations, but now it's justifying human reparations. Saying that this Soviet idea of, of using these forced laborers to rebuild their country, but... It's justifying that action, which, by the way, should be unjustifiable to most reasonable people. Um, but what it's not going into are the, the implications involved with that. That it should be implied that the understanding here is that the Soviet Union typically um, underprepared the, the, the POWs. Um, under-equipped, I mean, they were underfed, uh, they were under-treated, they, I mean, if they had diseases, infections, wounds, uh, the Soviets didn't give a fuck, they would just leave them to die, I mean, it's, it, you know, if, if you were working in a quarry, and, um, a rock fell and crushed your arm, they would give you the most basic healthcare possible, so that you could survive, but, it was up to you after that, you know, and, and they had these quotas too, where if you didn't meet your work quota, you know, you'd be shot or, or if they didn't shoot you, they wouldn't feed you. And obviously, you know, that's, that's uh, a bad cycle to get into. That's, that's not one that you can break out of because when you're already malnourished and you miss a meal, you're going to be tired, right? If you're tired, that means you can't keep up with your work. And if you can't keep up with your work, you don't get fed. You can't keep up with your work, you don't get fed. You know what I mean? It goes on until you're executed uh, or you die. Um, either way, it's it's still an execution just directly or indirectly. Um, but it's, it's so beyond unreasonable to me that historians will, will see 
conditions like this, you know, in the Soviet Union, in, in the way that that um, the German POWs were treated, and they'll find it excusable, as if somehow that is okay, when obviously it's not okay. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Just because it's the Soviet Union doing it and they ended up winning the war doesn't make them right. You know, oftentimes they say that, that history is written by the victors, and... While that might be a blanket statement, I do find that there is a majority truth to it. Um, and uh, so anyway, moving away from that specific example, um, I wanted to get into just, just talking about the topic in general because now I've wasted um, probably like two-thirds of the, the time of the podcast uh, to talk about this one specific example. Granted, um, I don't think it, it was really time-wasted uh, because... I think that you still get the idea. It still helps me get my point across here. Um, but uh, moving forward, it, it's just about looking at history, you know, as a revisionist in general. So um, here's another great example and a very controversial one. But since when do I not talk about controversial things? So it's probably something you've seen coming by now. Um, if not, then you're probably deaf. And I mean that quite literally because I literally give you a warning. So, yeah. Um, controversial. Uh, exciting, though. Um, and that it, it, it's exciting because this is something that's incredibly relevant now. And it's something that you can see in the mainstream as an example of what I'm talking about. And that's critical race theory and why people are so upset about it. And critical race theory is so interesting because it is literally redefining history. I mean, if I look it up right now, right, what is what is uh, critical race theory? Um, fuck. Uh, there was a, a really good example that I wanted to use, um, and I've got to I've got to remember it. Um, it was something about how critical race theory uh, defines. Um, like racism and, and, and stuff like that um, and prejudice and, and whatnot. Um, and the reason that I see it as a problem is because it's literally rewriting history right in front of our eyes um, to the point where it's, I mean, they want this shit to be taught in school, you know, and and it has been being taught in school. And I'm so happy. And what makes me excited about it is because there, are, thankfully, are a number of politicians who are, uh, it seems, fundamentally opposed to this. Um, now, who knows where their opposition comes from. But I'm just glad to see that there is opposition nonetheless. Um, and it's, you know, you can't just redefine the terms and apply them backwards in history to these things, you know. Um, here's an example. Uh, I've, I've just been, I went on Britannica.com. Uh, it says, critical race theory is an intellectual and social movement 
and a loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that race is not a natural, biologically grounded feature of physically distinct subgroups of human beings, but a socially constructed category that is used to express and, uh, sorry, to oppress and exploit people of color. Um, it, here, this is where it gets good, by the way. Critical race theorists hold that racism is inherent in the law and legal institutions of the United States insofar as they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially, especially, lest we forget, African Americans. Wow, who would have thought African Americans? Because they are the non-whites that we need to worry about, right? As if nothing happened with the natives but that's fine because critical race theory doesn't really have a logic to it i mean if it were logical then and not only would it would it care to mention um the native americans who were in fact genocided i mean there's no other way to look at it and yet most people still still look down on them people are openly racist towards Native Americans when they are far, far, far less so towards African Americans. Um, but really, if it, if it had logic, it would go one step further than that, and it would talk about how Africans in Africa would enslave other Africans and sell them to Americans so that they could be slaves over here. Yep, that's, that's fucking right. I know you're probably thinking this is a fucking mind-blowing concept right here. Because why would a black man enslave another black man? You know, but that's what they did. That's really what they did. Um, I'm not saying that's what happened 100% of the time, but it was a good majority of the time. Um, in fact, most Westerners, most Europeans, I should say, started using black slaves because they found out that they were being indiscriminate in who was a slave, right? Whether it was um, people that were born into a caste system um, that that had, you know, slaves as a caste, um, as a as a level in the pyramid, um, or you know, uh, like I was saying, prisoners, uh, POWs. Um, I mean, people that were captured during invasions, and, and I mean, I guess you could say that's a prisoner, yeah. But uh, even people who, who would put themselves into um, indentured servitude, you know, that's, that is effectively a form of slavery. Um, but the reason that they moved away from this is because they went to Africa and found out that they could trade resources that were abundant to Europeans to the Africans in exchange for very cheap slaves. Um, you know, one, one of the cycles, uh, like I was talking about earlier, this cycle of, of um, POWs in the Soviet Union who wouldn't get fed and, and uh, you know, so on. Um, and, and here, this cycle, this cycle that, that doesn't get broken, uh, it feeds itself, um, is the cycle that Europeans would trade guns for slaves. And the reason that this is a cycle is because um, 
the Europeans would bring firearms to Africa. And in Africa, you have to understand that there are a bunch of different tribes. And that's, you know, I, I could do like an hour-long lecture on Africa and why the fuck there are so many problems there. Um, but what I will boil it down to is the fact that there are so many different ethnic groups and tribes in Africa. And so many of the borders are are basically lines on a map. There are not borders that make sense. They're not ethnic borders. Uh, they're not... Um, lingual borders um, there's just nothing that makes any fucking sense except that some guys decided yeah yeah this is where the border is um, but anyway so the, these tribes you know uh, the warlords and the tribal leaders and shit they would go to war with each other and um, what they would do is when they would raid these other villages and towns or capture people and, you know from battles or, uh, or these towns um they would bring back slaves and you know these slaves would obviously be kept and used uh within the the tribal area uh territory of whoever the victor was but what they realized very quickly is that they could trade many 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 slaves to the europeans in exchange for guns and these guns gave those tribal leaders and warlords a massive advantage over the other tribes in the area. And so it becomes a cycle when they trade slaves for guns, and then they use these guns to take more slaves. And so the cycle would repeat itself. Now, obviously, what happened in America was uh, a little overboard. That's like... Think of the worst fandom you can possibly think of, um, which probably jojo fans um k-pop fans and furries um but so those type of people all right and uh, how fanatically obsessed they were um and that's sort of what happened in the u.s i don't know why uh i don't know why the u.s held on to slavery you know as long as it did and and i i'm not you know i'm not a hundred percent on that one um and so i won't pretend to be but what I'm definitely not pretending about is that just despite these things happening um, and just from me explaining this, you know, you have to understand that there are so many intricacies involved that, again, a blanket statement applying a modern lens to a historical event just doesn't work because that's not the way that things were. Yes, we can look back and objectively, for a fact, without a doubt, say slavery was bad. Nobody should be a slave, right? That's something that, that we as humans can agree on. But when you take a theory and an education system, no less, the fact that they want to push this shit in schools is fucked up. But uh, this, this theory that, okay, um, the institution of the United States is inherently racist... Um, no, it's, it's really fucking not. I mean, that's, that's saying really, and I'm, I, I'm almost positive that the reason they say this is just because, uh, yeah, the founding fathers had slaves. Um, and if you look back at like Abraham Lincoln, as an example, um, a man who fought to end slavery yet was incredibly racist, you know, you, you can definitely for a fact say, yeah, fuck yeah, he was racist. Um, 
he might have been less racist than other people, but he was still definitively racist. But the thing is, we can't be these fucking social justice warriors and put this in retrospect. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, sure, um, but that's when you're looking at it logically. That's when you're looking at the facts. That's when you're understanding the context. That's when hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight isn't twenty twenty when you're making mistake after mistake. But that's what they do. You know, like I was saying, you can't be a social justice warrior about that and, and, and go back and say that, oh, you know what? All of these people were evil because they were racist. No, 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 no. Being racist doesn't make you evil. You know, I mean, I, I remember getting into an argument about this um, in high school with a girl. We were reading um, a poem um, and uh, one of my teachers used to say poem, and uh, so that always pops into my mind. We were reading a poem, um, but um, I can't remember who it was by. It was it was something about hunting, and um, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, what I do remember though is that the author was racist, like openly racist. Um, it was written in the early 1900s so a lot of people were openly racist um and uh, this bitch raised her hand right to fucking complain and say that oh well this you know this poem isn't any good and we shouldn't be reading it because this guy was racist and i'm thinking to myself what the fuck does that have to do with anything i mean we should be ashamed of ourselves if we can't understand that it's possible to pull good things from something with fault i mean that's the whole purpose of being pragmatic and and fixing problems and learning from mistakes and and i say pragmatic specifically because you know the whole eco-nationalism thing and getting into that you know that's 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 a key aspect of it and this idea of not encroaching onto history and rewriting history through revisionism is pretty important to me as well you look at a document like the constitution which i would say i hold near to me you know i think it's very important if um underrepresented or or undervalued i should say um and it would be wrong to to go back i'm uh, not saying that we can't interpret this document um uh, especially being that this document is quite literally like a rule book for the country um at its simplest but you can't look back at that and interpret it through the lens of well these people owned slaves therefore we need to throw out all these rules because they're terrible even if we're to say even if we were so so adamantly and vehemently against the founding fathers for one reason or another um then at the very least what we would do is view this document objectively and without emotion rationally and say, well, here's the good things, we need to change the bad things. But that's not what revisionism is about. Revisionism is 
it really is rewriting history. I mean, I, I, I keep coming back to that. That keeps that keeps popping into my mind because I, I, I want to stress the importance of that, that it, it quite literally is rewriting history. I mean, that's why context is so very important when you're talking about history because our modern context doesn't apply. I mean, you know, me being um, a pagan, more or less... Um, when I got into my beliefs, um, you know, a, a huge motivating factor for me to get into these beliefs was that I wanted to believe the things my ancestors believed. Okay, well, that's a little bit tricky um, because that's a, a slippery slope because how how can I really know what my ancestors thought, what what their morality was, what their daily life was. You know, we get a glimpse of this, but we can never fully know. And it's like these people who say that, that number one, it's like when you get the kids who are like, I was born in the wrong generation and I'm so different and blah, blah, blah. It's like fucking, you don't know anything. Shut up. But um, it's, it's also uh, when, shit, um, I lost the wording for what I was going to say. Um, well, I totally fucking blanked. I guess I'm tired, but, uh, fuck. I am so lost. Okay, I got it. Um, I had to pause for a few minutes because I just, my mind just slipped. It just went out the window. Sometimes I go too fast and I just forget things. Um, but what anyway, what I meant to say is, um, you know, it, the other thing, I forgot the exact word thing, you know, whatever that I was going to use. Uh, I can't remember how I was going to articulate it. But my point here is that with, with being a pagan um, and saying that I want to understand, uh, the, you know, I want to practice at least somewhat the religion that my ancestors did. By saying that, I'm not saying that I, fo oh, fuck, that's what it was. Um uh primitive primitivists um people who say that that oh we would be so much better off without technology and that they had it so good and blah 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 like i don't know i mean you know it's it's hard to say because it's not like we've lived through that there's no way you can say that it's objectively better because you've never lived through it i mean it's it's like saying that people during the the roman times you know that that their lives must have been terrible because oh they didn't have a phone to go on they couldn't google things oh my god could you imagine 40 years ago having to go to the library and and, and look something up and read a book and actually know how to comprehend words that must have been terrible that must have been an absolute travesty to live through right no, because that's your modern context. And here's an example. <clears throat> uh, so the Slavic people, okay, um, the Slavic pagans, um, and and now the revival uh, community, uh, like like native faith, pretty much uh, Rodnovri, um, that is is it's largely based around trying to understand the beliefs of these ancient peoples but through the context of these ancient peoples so the slavic people um 
they it's said that you know and, and by all accounts that they were very polite and that they were welcoming people but at the same time they were thieves and tricksters so when you dive into that religion you see that their morals are just completely different than ours uh to the point where you know um even how they viewed the gods was so much different than how we would view god now you know i mean um especially because i i had a very strong christian upbringing um you know the way that that, that a lot of the western world wants to look at god is that god almost like needs your prayers to to satisfy him he needs your praise not your prayers um to satisfy him and that you have to obey him you know um but the way that the the slavic peoples and i think you know i think it's a maybe it's a stretch but i do think that a lot of the other european pagans looked at the the same way where that they no you you don't have to obey the gods you don't have to pay tribute to them you don't have to worship them they're still there i mean they are a fact of nature they're there doesn't matter what you do because they're always going to be there um and their ideas of good and bad and and evil and purity and they're so different you know and it's just really impossible to fully comprehend the context but by imagining yourself in this situation you know even just trying to empathize with the situation um gives you a little bit more of an understanding and it gives you a a little bit broader of a mindset when it when it comes to this um and so you can you can start to see oh well maybe these people didn't think the way that we think now um and you can even say see sorry say uh you can even see that on a generational basis um you know my parents are a little bit older uh and especially my father so um i i grew up around people that were typically older than i am um by quite a bit obviously you grow up around people that are older than you but i mean quite a bit like 40 years older um if not more um you know uh my father's friends are older uh usually um you know i i i really I got along with my grandfather and my grandmother pretty well, and and I always enjoyed listening to their stories. But so I picked up an understanding of the world that was more representative of their views than my contemporaries. Whereas, uh, you know, many of my peers, they grew up around people that had you know much less of an age gap uh, and much less of a, a generation gap you know people who who grew up you know in the 80s and 90s had kids as opposed to you know the 60s and 70s um and it, it might seem like okay there's only 10 or 20 years different between those generations but it makes such a huge fucking impact i mean one generation grew up with the internet and the other didn't, you know? Um, and it's things like that where you just have these complete and total different mindsets and, and, and you can see it represented <clears throat> in our societies now. I mean, look at the way that older people vote versus the way younger people vote and their reasoning as to why they do it. You know, there are things that we can commonly agree on. There are things that 
don't change very often. Um, but there are a lot of subtle opinions and, and worldviews that are so massively different in their subtlety even that it's like a complete and total paradigm shift. And so to even look at recent history, look at the 50s and 60s uh, or the 40s, like World War II, like I was talking about, through this lens that um, is, is more modern, it's just not right because you can clearly see how each year we go on there's huge generational differences in their perceptions. Um, and I guess my, my major point, I'll try and wrap it up, is that I really hate to see um, this like left washing, first of all, um, of, of historians and uh, scholars um, looking back at history and saying, like, like when they tried to say that native um, Englishmen were black, or brown fucking yeah right they were that doesn't make any sense um trying to say that race doesn't exist that it's a social construct that's the most bullshit thing i've ever heard and you know there are there might be arguments to it but no the the dna is there there's genetic evidence that you can look at there's physical evidence um and like i was talking about with the soviet union i mean it, it's 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 so hypocritical that it's funny to me that Schools will teach you, even colleges, even even these top-ranking professors that have, have spent years studying, you know, even just one aspect of the Second World War, will will completely gloss over the hundreds of millions that that were killed between China and the Soviet Union, um, but yet they will focus all of their guns and all of their weapons on attacking the long dead Nazi Germany. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union didn't end until the 90s. Pretty big fucking difference. One of them's way more relevant than the other. China still exists. Hate to tell you that, as much as we wish it didn't exist, it still does. Um, and so, I mean, or, or like I said about the Japanese, as if the Japanese didn't do anything fucking wrong during the war. Yeah, what was that, the rape of Nanking? Yeah, maybe... Uh, that's just government propaganda. That didn't happen. We don't need to worry about it. Um, but it, it's just that mentality of like somehow it's more justifiable when it's the left. Somehow it's it's okay to cover it up. You know, I I'm Polish. Um, that's that's the majority of my heritage. Um, and uh, you look up uh, the Katyn massacre, and you tell me what you think about that. Katyn is an interesting one because there's a lot that, that goes into it, just like anything. Um, but moral of the story is that the Soviets massacred uh, thousands of Polish scholars, policemen, teachers, um, officers, you know, scientists, so on. Um, just dragged them out to the forest, dug mass graves, shot them, and dumped them there. Um, and the U.S. knew about this, by the way, but the Soviet Union shut them up. Um, and it, it, it's like, okay, that's one of the smaller examples, too, uh, and one of the more specific examples, but it just goes to show how ruthless this regime could be. And I don't think that it deserves any less recognition of its atrocities than Nazi Germany 
or Napoleonic France, or England with its colonial expansion, or China through all of history. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, you know, what about Cambodia? Nobody talks about that. I mean, shit. Pol Pot? Doesn't ring a bell? That's because we're never fucking taught about it. But... It's, it's just so fucked up to me. And I hate to see it happen. That... People feel the need to, to gloss over it because somehow it's more justifiable. And... The other, the other side of that is just... Applying that modern lens to history and trying to change it, you know, and trying to make history make sense in our day and age because it's not going to. We didn't live then. We don't. The only thing that we have are written records um, that that tell us, you know, what things happened and what people might have thought. But even then, there's so much bias involved in those that we still are left scratching our heads and just trying to put together the pieces and figure out what happened um, and not make a giant mess of it. I mean, shit, you know, the the way that we look at the ancient world could be so far from the truth. And we don't know because we weren't there. We have a pretty good idea of things, but the fact of the matter is that we could be dead fucking wrong. And that's just the the way that history is. You know, recent history, no, 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 obviously there's a lot more. You can get a more definitive answer, and so there's variables. But just in general is is how people, I mean, like I was saying, uh, uh, the LGBT community will go back and change some stupid bullshit. They're trying to change the definition of, of racism. I mean, things that just shouldn't apply, but they try to. And that's my point, is just... When you're looking at history, please, please, please look at it through a historical context, through the context of the times. And if something is definitively bad, at least learn from it. Try and find the good things in it. Even if the only good thing in it is a lesson on what not to do. But anyway, this was a long one. It's fucking feature length. So, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, this was an interesting one for me. And it's all because of you, armchair historian. Fuck you. Um, not really. He's not that bad. Like I said, they're still interesting. Um, anyway, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know.